Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. Imagine it's the year 1980, and you find yourself among a group of businessmen arriving at a small company named Microsoft. You're here to meet the company's president, a man by the name of Bill Gates. Dressed in your suit, crisp white shirt, and neatly knotted tie, you look very important. And indeed, you're a significant player in the world of business. These men are no ordinary executives. They're from IBM, which during this time was the largest computer maker in the world. As you wait, a young fellow appears before you. He seems hardly older than a teenager, but there's an air of confidence about him. You ask him for directions to Bill Gates' office, and without hesitation, he leads you there. Much to your surprise, he takes his seat behind the desk. It's then that you realize he is Bill Gates, the head of Microsoft. Bill Gates is just 24 years old at this time, although he appears even younger, with his tangled hair, much too large glasses, sprinkling of freckles, and his cozy pullover sweater. However, as soon as he begins to speak, it becomes evident that he possesses a deep knowledge of computers, which would lead him to become the richest man in the world. William Henry Gates III was born on October 28, 1955, in Seattle, Washington. Due to being the third Gates with the name William Henry, his family called him Trey, which is another way to say the word three. However, to everyone else, he was simply Bill. As a child, Bill was very active, spending hours rocking back and forth on his rocking horse. This habit of rocking back and forth would become something you'd see him doing during important business meetings. He found it helped him to think better. On school nights, there was a strict no-TV rule in the Gates household. Instead, the family would have conversations, play games, and immerse themselves in books. Young Bill loved to read, even deciding at age 7 to read the entire encyclopedia and world book. That is a full shelf of books. His intelligence was obvious to all who knew him. There's a memorable incident where the whole family was ready for a short trip in the car and suddenly realized Bill was missing. His mother found him inside the house, deep in thought. When she asked him what he was doing, he said, I'm thinking, mother. Challenges always intrigued him, and he was known for looking for ways to test his abilities. He was naturally left-handed, but would switch to his right hand if he found himself bored in school. At the age of 11, he participated in a contest at his church. The challenge was to memorize the Sermon of the Mount, a long list of Bible scriptures. He not only memorized the whole thing, but did it without making a single mistake, impressing the minister. When asked about this accomplishment, he said, I can do anything I set my mind to. Winning was also extremely important to Bill, and he didn't like losing. During summers, his family spent two weeks at a cabin named Cheerio near Puget Sound. 
There, young Bill's competitive spirit shone as he excelled in many different sports, such as water skiing, ice skating, swimming, and downhill skiing. However, in the sixth grade, his interest in school seemed to drop. This caused his parents, Bill Sr. and Mary, to make an important decision. They enrolled him in the private school, Lakeside, at the start of seventh grade, setting the course for a new chapter in his life. Bill was the smallest kid in his seventh grade class at Lakeside School. Fortunately, the teachers at Lakeside School were really helpful in helping kids find what they loved. Bill Gates was really good at math and science, but he hadn't found his special interest yet. Then one spring day in 1968, a teacher took Bill and some of his friends to a place called the computer room. But guess what? There wasn't actually a computer in there. You see, at this time, there were no small personal computers like we have today. Computers were huge devices, as big as rooms that cost millions of dollars, and they were only used by the government, military, and universities. Even Lakeside, a fancy private school, couldn't afford one. So they got the next best thing, a teletype machine. It looked like a large electric typewriter, and there was a telephone that connected it to a computer in downtown Seattle. The teacher showed the boys how to type a special command, which made the teletype start making a lot of noise and punching holes on a long roll of paper tape. Then that message went through the phone lines to the computer miles away and sent an answer back. Bill Gates was amazed by what the computer could do. After that, he spent all his free time in the computer room. He read every computer manual he could find and learned computer languages. Some other kids at Lakeside got just as excited about computers, and they learned from each other. It was funny because the teachers had planned to teach the kids about computers, but it turned out that Bill and his friends became the experts. They ended up teaching the teachers. At Lakeside, Bill had discovered his true passion, computers. His genius brain now had a focus, and it was all about computers. The group of kids got together and created a computer club called the Lakeside Programmers. They loved writing their own computer programs. Think of a computer program as a set of commands that you give to a computer to make it do certain things, like typing out words, playing a game, or doing math. When Bill was just 13, he wrote his very first program, and it was for playing tic-tac-toe. For someone like Bill, who loved a challenge, the computer was the perfect playground. Every program was like a puzzle. If he made one tiny mistake in the instructions, the computer would get all confused and make mistakes too. Now, Bill was younger than most of the other kids in the club, and they thought he was using up too much time on the computer, so they actually kicked him out of the club for a little while. But the other kids soon realized that Bill was smart and knew things that they didn't, so eventually they asked him to come back into the club. And using the computer wasn't free. It cost a lot of money. His parents paid for his school, but they told him he had to pay for computer time himself. So Bill did what any smart kid would do. He got a job. There was a company in Seattle called Computer Center Corporation, and they had a computer. The boys at Lakeside made a deal with them. They could use the computer for free if they found mistakes in its programs. It was a dream job for Bill and his friends because they had control over this massive million-dollar computer. They had to work at odd times, like at night and on weekends, when the company staff didn't need the computer. Sometimes he and his buddies stayed up until midnight. If he missed the bus home, he had to walk three miles. When Bill was 15, he teamed up with another lakeside programmer named Paul Allen. They created a program called Trafodata, which measured traffic flow in Seattle. And guess what? 
They made $20,000 from it. He and Paul were pretty different. Paul was quiet and shy, while Bill was more outgoing and liked to argue to make a point. But they both loved computers and respected each other's ideas. They believed that computers had the power to change people's lives, and they talked for hours about all the amazing things computers could do. In his junior year, Lakeside School asked him to create a computer program for their schedules because they had just merged with an all-girls school, and it was too complicated to do by hand. But Bill did it, and in return, he got about $5,000 worth of free computer time. Finally, in 1973, Bill graduated from Lakeside School, and he was all set to go to Harvard University. Lakeside had been an incredible journey for him. He discovered his love for computers, started his first business, met Paul Allen, and they were about to do something no one had ever done before. Join us in the next episode as we follow Bill Gates through his remarkable journey after high school as he co-founded Microsoft, revolutionized the computer industry, and became one of the most influential tech pioneers in human history.